0: There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Hey, good evening. 5 p.m. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, I'm excited because I believe we are about to, as a church, really kind of embark on what's going to be one of the, I think, most influential series that we've ever done in this church. We're starting it today, and it's called uh, Arrows, and it's it's about parenting, but it's not specific to just parents. But I do believe that that relationship between child and parent, parent and child, or brother to brother, or sister to sister, I really do believe that this series has the potential. Here's what I know. In a family, and you guys can testify to this, in a family, there's nothing else that can bring you such uh, unbelievable amounts of joy and pleasure. There's so much potential in a family, but also, if not handled correctly, it also can be a great source of grief and trouble. And I believe that as we really embrace and focus on what God's word is saying to us over the next few weeks about, about family and raising you know, our, our family, that, that we will learn to focus on and fight for that which truly matters. And this series that we're starting today is not just for parents, even though that's what we're going to be talking about uh, in large part, but really for anyone. Anyone in this room, as we talk about living our lives towards the target, and what does that mean? Well, if you have your Bible, Psalm 127, while we stay standing for just a moment, it'll be up here on the screen, too. But this is going to be our foundational text over the next several weeks. This psalm was written by Solomon. Now, I know generally when we talk about the psalms, you think, you know, that's David. David wrote the psalms. Well, he wrote the majority of them, but... His son, Solomon, the third king of Israel, also wrote, in fact, he wrote two psalms. Uh, The sons of Asaph wrote wrote several, and then uh, Moses actually wrote one, but this one is by Solomon. And the Bible tells us, like, God's uh, own words tell us that Solomon was the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth. In other words, when Solomon talks, we should pay attention. So let's look at what he says in this foundational text. As we go through uh, other texts throughout this series, this is going to be our base camp. This is going to be the text that we commonly will come back to. It says this, a song of pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem, a song of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no Good, you can try as you might, and maybe you do, but apart from God, it doesn't matter. You're just kind of wasting your time and and energy. He says, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to those he loves. How many of you like to take a nap? How many of you like a rest? Amen, praise God for a rest. That's awesome, love that verse. This right there, that's my wife's life verse. She loves a nap. Don't mess with her. She's going to take her nap. Verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a gift. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. I love that. And how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he is confronted or confronts his accusers at the city Gates. God, I pray that your word tonight would come alive in our life and in our hearts, that for everyone in this room that no matter why they came or, or what drew them here tonight, God, that you would specifically speak to an area of their, their lives as a parent or even as a child or even as someone that, that is just kind of searching for what ultimately the target is. I pray that you would meet each one here tonight. And you would speak to us deeply and boldly, God, and that you would challenge each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen. All right, you guys can have a seat tonight. Doesn't the band sound great? They sounded awesome. You guys killed it. You kill it every, every weekend. We, you don't know how lucky we are. I mean, the band just does an unbelievable job every single week. I love worshiping with you guys. I love um, what we're doing here as a church. Um, in this psalm. In Psalm 127, we discover this analogy that kids are like like arrows, right? And Solomon has this knack. He doesn't just say, you know, that, you know, family's important and here's what you should do. He never says that. Solomon uses words to describe things which which set off these mental images, gives us these pictures. So Solomon never said, hey, you should knock that thing off that you're doing over and over and over again. Just stop it. You know, you're, you're you're being dumb. What Solomon would say is, as a fool, as a, as a, oh, what's that? What is it? As a dog, dang it, I know it's in here somewhere. He would say this, um, as a dog returns to his vomit, there's a, there it is, as a dog returns to his vomit, so does a fool return to his, his folly, right? Because that's what nasty dogs do. They eat something, they puke, they turn around, they lick it up, because they're gross, and then if you're my kids, you know, the dog will puke, lick it up, and then my kids will let the dog that just licked its puke lick their faces, right? It's disgusting. But Solomon would do that. Oftentimes, he would, he would paint this, this mental image, this picture that just provides a better idea of what's going on. And here he says kids are like arrows. And when he says that, all of a sudden, your mind is firing on all these cylinders that, you know, now a family is like a quiver. And it's got these arrows inside of it. Your home is like a, an archery range. And now the job of a parent is really to be a warrior or an archer. And I love that idea. In fact, it resonated so much with me and Kristen that we are warriors. And our children are arrows. So this idea of if your kids are, are arrows, well, what do you do with them? And what do we do with arrows? Well, you, you fire them off. You shoot them. You place them in your bow. You aim them at a target, and you release them to fly. Fly where? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. In fact, over the next several weeks, we're going to look at this idea of of our kids being, being arrows, and we're going to answer the question tonight of what's the target? Like, what's the target? How would you know if they, in fact, hit the target? Like, at the end, like, If they hit the mark, the bullseye, you know, what would you say mission accomplished? What's that target look like? How in in parenting, you know, do we focus? What is our goal, you know, in raising kids in a godly home? In fact, tonight, the title, if you want to jot this down of this message, is Parenting Towards the Target. Parenting Towards the Target. And again, even if you're not a parent, everything that I say will have implications for you As well, you'll see. But tonight, I want to give us three takeaway truths from God's word as we explore what the target is. These are found in Psalm 127, but these will also be found uh, in other scripture uh, from God's word. The first is this if you want to write it down, arrows are blessings and not a burden. Arrows are a blessing and not a burden. And before I jump into that, this series did not originate with us. In fact, I want to give honor to Pastor Levi Lesko uh, who who did a series and and their church provided some content, you know, for this. But when I heard it uh, a long time ago, I'm like, man, I got to share this. Because again, I believe the the implications are huge for our church. If we would get this, then we'd be able to raise up a generation, you know, of young people who are going to go out and make a difference and impact the world, But the first thing that we need to understand and know is that arrows are a blessing, not a burden. So when it comes to your children, how do you need to think about them? When you, when you look at them, when you, when you see them, when you speak about them, you need to understand that they're a blessing, the Bible says, not a burden. Look at verse 3. It says they're a gift. They're a gift. They are a reward. Your version might say they are a heritage but they're a gift. In verse five, he says, joyful is the man whose quiver is full, happy. So no matter what the circumstances were surrounding your pregnancy, but when you find out, you take that pregnancy test and it shows that you are pregnant, you should feel blessed. Whether you meant to or not, you should feel blessed. Children are a reward, they're a reward. Now I say that because here's what I know they don't always feel like a blessing. Come on, parents. Do they? And just because something is not a burden doesn't mean it won't feel like a burden from time to time. Can we just get real tonight? It's crazy being a parent. There are times where you're like pulling out your hair thinking, what did we just do? I remember like Kristen and I, we used to be able to go out and do whatever we wanted to, whenever we wanted to. But in that moment, when you are giving birth and the doctor says, hey, congratulations, it's a boy or it's a girl, like right then and there, your life changes, like completely. And again, And We could go out and do whatever we wanted to do. Now it's like, who can we possibly call that will watch our litter of children, you know, at home, like four boys, it's crazy, and then you get to the whole thing, well, that's expensive to pay a babysitter to watch, you know, four kids, and so we end up going out, it's like, where can we go out to eat, where can we afford to eat now that, you know, we're paying the babysitter, so Chris and I just end up walking around Sam's Club eating samples, (laughs) which you do it too, I know you do, so we're just, in fact, we we have fed our entire family on samples on Saturday at Sam's Club. And here, let me give you a secret, secret right here. You could do it like if you feed them one time around, you go out to the car and you change clothes and you put on a hat or something like that, you go right back in. They don't even know. They don't even know. But I'm just saying, like, where can you go? We, we'd have this dilemma now that we paid a babysitter who, by the way, is making bank off of us. And so when she's taking her money and going to 1201 Kitchen or whatever and we're eating at Sam's Club, it's just not fair. But it's crazy, right? When you have kids, life changes. I was talking to some friends. In fact, I think they're, they're here tonight. They don't have children, and they were telling me, we just we decided to go away you know, for a couple days. I mean, what do you mean you just decided to go away? How do you do that? They're like, well, you know, we just thought we'd go take a drive and spend the night someplace. I'm like, what? When did you decide that? Well, it's 6 p.m. that day. I'm like, no pack and play? No, no baby bottles, right? No diaper bag? None of that stuff? Like freedom, that's crazy. And then don't even get me started on taking your kids out to restaurants. Like that can be a disaster really fast. When you're married and you don't have kids, going out to eat doesn't involve kicking and screaming and throwing food and fidget spinners. Oh my gosh, don't get me, who created that? Like, I know they're supposed to be for kids with ADHD, you know, and all that kind of stuff, but they have made my kids ADHD. They never used to fidget before, and now all they do is fidget all the time. So I don't even understand that thing. But like, when you're you're married, it doesn't involve, you know, screaming and kicking and out to eat. It can be nice and friendly unless you have a bad marriage. But I remember Kristen and I, we'd look across the table at each other several times. We've done this so many times, I can't even count. And we just said, we can't do this anymore. Like, there's just too many of us. It's just too wild. It's just too crazy. And you wouldn't think it, but boys are loud. Our boys are loud. And so we're like, we're we're just, we can't go out to eat ever again. And that lasts about a week because no one wants to cook for four boys. And we just end up taking them back to Sam's Club, you know, get some more samples. (laughs) Or if they're lucky, we'll get like the $1.50 hot dog if we're splurging that day. That's fine. But it's crazy. It's crazy. And and and, and, and bedtime, like I tell my kids it's time for bed, and they freak out. Like they've never heard this idea before. What, bed? What are you talking about, go to sleep? And we're like, yeah, it's like we're the only family in the world that's doing this new thing called sleep. Like we're sleep pioneers or something like that. And they wig out, and because bedtime always is associated with with you know showers and brushing your teeth and pajamas and eventually someone in our house always ends up running around like naked you know around the house and it used to be that Kristen and I were the only ones running around naked in our house what's up but we don't do that anymore because we got kids right you don't have time to do that so I'm just saying it's it's this life change that happens it doesn't always feel like like a blessing And I know it can feel like a burden at times. And it's a miracle that many of us parents ever make it out of this this alive. And I know the, the people without kids, you're like, this is really good birth control. I'm so glad I'm here for this series. But I want you to know that just because something, you can easily mistake a blessing with a burden because they're both heavy. Blessings are heavy. In fact, you want to talk about one of the most weighty responsibilities on earth is that of being a parent. I mean, it's it's a responsibility. It's heavy. And again, there's nothing else like it, nothing else that can create so much joy and so much pleasure. But on the other hand, also there are times of unparalleled levels of grief and pain. It can be a burden. But it's a blessing. In fact, Think of it this way. God wants you and I to envision him, to imagine him as a, as a father. The Bible says that throughout, throughout the text, over and over and over, that God's this father, that he, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he wants to provide for you. He wants to give you that image that when you think of God, you think of him as your father. Or, or he has the heart of a mother, that he, he, he nurtures, that he has this unconditional love, this, this grace. So parent, here's what you need to know. Like, Your children are gonna have an accurate picture of who God is because of you or with great difficulty one day have to arrive at that conclusion themselves in spite of you. Like it's a big responsibility. Like I tremble and I shake at the thought, at the idea that I am to represent God to my kids because one day they're gonna read this and they're gonna read that stuff about God And they're going to associate their dad with that. And many of you have done the same in this room. That's why it's difficult for some of you when we say God's a good father. He he loves his children. That you have a hard time, you know, reconciling that because your dad wasn't. Or you're going to hear some, they're going to hear some preacher say that he's good. And they're going to get an accurate picture of God because of you or not. So it is a weighty responsibility. And here's what I know, uh, the heavier the blessing is, the stronger you need to be to carry it. In fact, the more faith that you have to see it for what it is. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.18, it tells us exactly that, that we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that can't be seen. So many times, you know, parents, I know it gets crazy, but, but we don't look at the immediate trouble. But if you get caught, you know, just staring at that, just fixated on the immediate issue that's at hand, you know, just the burden of it, uh, of the, the aspects of parenting, you don't see it without faith. But you gaze on that thing. He says, don't do that. Rather, we fix our eyes on the things that can't be seen. For the things we see now, they'll soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. So if you look at your job of, of parenting without faith, that's all you're gonna see. But if you look at it through the lens of faith, you're gonna see the potential. You're gonna see the possibility, the eternal impact that is, that is possible. You're not just gonna see the problems. Those are, are temporary. You're gonna see the internal impact that is a possibility. And I know all the tough stuff that feels like it's never gonna end like, I know some of you are saying, it feels like my child is never going to get potty trained, like ever. He will. She will. It's going to go by before you know it. Your little son or daughter is going to be peeing like a boss in, in no time at all. And I know it feels like sometimes they're, they're in diapers forever. They're really not. Like, you blink and they're, they're out of diapers. In fact, you talk to any empty nester in this room, and there are some in here, you talk to them, and they will tell you no matter how difficult it was, no matter, uh, no matter how many times it felt like a burden, it felt like it was tough, that they were never going to get by, they wish they had some of those days back. If you would just see those little ones through faith, see them for what they could be, see them with an eternal kind of impact, listen. I know there's going to be times where you're going to wish that that middle schooler would, would still give you a hug before getting on the bus. You're going to wish you had that, that little baby on your lap, you know, as you read to him the fuzzy bee and friends before they go to sleep that we did with all of our little babies. You're going to wish you had those, those moments with them back. I'm just saying don't miss the blessing just because right now it might feel like a burden. I know it's tough, I know it's tough, but it only looks like a problem right now. Now, some of you, they're a little older, maybe you got some older kids, you're like, Colby, that's great, but your kids are, the oldest is 11 years old. Like, the real hell starts when they get into high school. That's when it's trouble. And I would just say, with all due respect, sir or ma'am, that that child that, that right now you feel at odds against? The one that you just push back and butt heads with constantly? Like the one that you just see attitude and you just see drama? That child was created in the image of God. And God made them. In fact, he knit them together fearfully and wonderfully. And so maybe right now all you feel is pushback. But if you would just look being able to see them through the lens of faith, you would understand that they are a blessing. Arrows are a blessing. They're not a burden. They're not a burden. So just put some faith on and see them for what they are. Here's the second thing you need to know. Many different arrows. There's all kinds of arrows. There's tons of different arrows, but there's only one target. Write that down. All kinds of different arrows, but there's only one target. And I need some help tonight, so I'm gonna bring out my arrows. Let me introduce you to my arrows. What's up, little arrows? Can you guys welcome them out? What's going on, guys? These are the cool kids. How are you guys doing? So let me introduce you to my arrows. This is my oldest. This is Wade Colby. He is 11 years old. He's gonna turn 12 on June 18th, so big kid right there, Six. Sixth grader at LaBeouf Middle School, Wade Colby. And then Jake David is 10. What's up, double digits, love that. He's 10 years old, Jake David. And then this is right here, what is your name? I forget. Park. Oh, Park, all right, Park. So this is Park, and Park Dean is seven years old. And then here's our newest little addition. What's up, big guy? This is John Gray, who is four months old, like yesterday, or a couple days ago. So these are my arrows. And my arrows, we, we got a bow like a year and a half ago or two years ago, and we started shooting at a target in our backyard, right? Just kind of shooting at stuff, hopefully not hitting the neighbor's house or anything important, anything like that. But we were shooting that, and uh, we went to Field & Stream this week just to look at some more arrows, and I talked to a guy that goes to this church uh, who works at Field & Stream around that department of arrows, uh, the arrow hole archery kind of thing. See, I don't know what I'm talking about usually, um, and he was telling me that there's all these different kinds of arrows. In fact, there's like hundreds or thousands of them. And he's, he's describing. I'm like, why? Why are all there? Why are there so many? I'm asking him. He's like, well, you know, different sizes, different weights, different materials, and then it's really an unlimited potential because you can get into different kinds of, of feathers and you can get in different kinds of, of tips, you know, uh, things that you put on the arrows. He's like, there's thousands and thousands of different ones. I'm like, that's crazy. Are they all for shooting different things or in different scenarios or circumstances? He says, no, they basically just all do the same thing. They shoot stuff. I'm like, well, why are there so many? He said, to be honest, you know, the, the hunters see, you know, through the magazines or whatever that this is the latest and greatest arrow. Or this is the latest and greatest arrowhead. And if you have this arrow and this arrowhead, then basically the deer is just going to come up to you and bow down and say, I surrender because you have that arrow. And so he says, we got to sell all these different kinds of arrows. And I'm like, that's cool. So there are really like thousands and thousands of different kinds of arrows. And just like there are different kinds of these arrows, there's also different kinds of, of these arrows. And some, some arrows are going to be, you know, kind of shy or standoffish or, or maybe sit on the outside and just kind of check out what's going on. Other ones are just going to be like rough and tough, right, and just get right in the mix and, and like just, just go at it. Some of them have never met a stranger. You know, they're, everyone they meet is a friend and someone they will, will talk to. So they're all different kinds of arrows. Some, like this guy, maybe his plan right now is to grow up to be an architect, likes to do the math, you know, and study and all that kind of stuff. I don't get any of that, but he's got it. And he's great at it. You know, others wanna grow up to be umpires and call balls and strikes in the major league, uh, in the major league, right, Jake? And I'm all for that, by the way, because we looked that up, and you don't gotta go to college for that. (laughs) That saves me about $80,000, so I love you, buddy. That's good. (laughs) We're gonna stay on that track. And then other ones are going to grow up too. We're just going to try to keep this one out of jail. All right? So right here, (laughs) this guy. But they're all different. And we don't even know about you. We don't even know about you yet. But they're all different. And do you know what? That's okay. Can we all agree that they're not supposed to be the same? That they're all supposed to be unique. They're all supposed to be different. That God created them that way. So why on earth? You know what, people say, hey, why don't you be more like your brother? Why don't you be more like your sister? Why? You know, why is, how is Jake going to be more like Wade? He's never going to be like Wade. He's not Wade, right? He's, he's Jake. They're all unique. They're all different. Can we just agree on that? Now, while they're all unique and they're all different, arrows, and that's great, and that's a, uh, it's not good or bad, I, I'd say that that's just, that's a God thing, they're all different. However, there's still only one target. Now, I'm not going to let these guys shoot these. I'm going to shoot these. Because otherwise, you guys would be in trouble probably out here. But let me see. Where's, where's Wade's arrow? This is, this, is, this is the Wade arrow. This is the one he picked out. This one is, is purple. This one, he probably knows, this is the Wade era. Wade, Wade is smart. Wade's a, a great athlete, a great runner. In fact, he said he'd race anybody out here in a 5K. He's super fast. He probably knows exactly how much this thing like weighs and where the balancing the fulcrum is and all that kind of stuff, but that's Wade. And he's, he's unique that way, and that's great. He should be unique. He should be different in that aspect, but even though he's different, there's still only one, target. And just like Jake, where's Jake's arrow? Jake's arrow is green. And something about Jake, you should know, Jake has this, this, this really sensitive, kind of generous heart. He's faith-filled. He's a prayer warrior. If you ever need anything to pray for, Jake's, Jake's your man. He'll like set his alarm on his, on his watch, and he will pray for you. And that's awesome. And he's sensitive that way. But at the same time, even though he's different, there's still only one target and then we got park where's yours this one right here what color is this this is blue this is parker's blue steel arrow he's got that blue steel kind of face give him your blue steel face he's scary isn't he he's terrifying what a man and he's and he's crazy park's a little wild park is fearless I don't know if there's anything he would not try to do, so he's a different arrow, he is a unique arrow, but still, there's only one target. And then we got Gray. What's up, big guy? And we don't really know Gray's personality yet. All we know is that Gray eats, sleeps, and poops, so his arrow represents the color of usually what's in his diaper, all right? And he's different. He's a different kid, but still, it's the same, the same what? Target. All unique arrows, all unique, all different, and they should be different. I love that they're different. In fact, your quiver looks different than my quiver. And even kid to kid, their personalities and their likes and dislikes are so different. Different. That's not good or bad. That's just a, a God thing. It's a God thing, but there's only one target. Thank you, arrows. You guys can head back over there. You guys help them out. Way to dab. You guys did awesome. Thank you, guys. Love you, man. So, this begs the question, right? So, we can all agree all these unique arrows, everyone's different. One target. What's the target? Then what's the goal? Like what's the mark? What's, what's the bullseye? I'd say let's let Jesus define this for us. If you would look at Matthew 6, 33, it says this, Seek ye first is the verse. Everybody say first. First, which means the very first thing, that your highest priority, your greatest priority, seek ye first the kingdom of God. This version says seek the kingdom above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. The first and highest priority in parenting, a bunch of different, unique individuals, unique arrows, is that they would get to heaven. Is that they would come to know Jesus. Is that they would have a relationship with God. God come to know Jesus who said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Don't don't miss this. Our greatest priority in parenting is that our little ones would would love God, is that our little ones would seek God and seek his kingdom first, and then everything else would get added to that. But that's the, the priority. That's the goal. There's nothing that matters more than getting these little ones to heaven, And you need to know that, parents. You need to evangelize your children. We need to win our children to God. We need to win their hearts. This should be our our greatest goal in parenting. These kids would love God and serve Him and follow Jesus. Because if we fail at this, can I just be brutally honest? Nothing else you do matters. No other accomplishments. Matter. Awards that they've received, if you fail at pointing them, aiming them, focusing them towards the only thing that truly matters in this life and in the life to come, listen, you will, you will die without the peace of knowing that you did everything you could to aim your little ones to the target. Everything that you could. And that terrifies me, honestly. And last year, we, uh, we sent a, a weather balloon. I don't know if you're around for that, but we sent a weather balloon uh, up to space. Um, not technically space, but near space, all right? I like to say we went to space just because that's cool when somebody asks, yeah, we went to space. What's up? What did you do? But we went to space. And so we sent this weather balloon up, but before we could just send a balloon up, you can't just do that, we had to file what's called a no TAM. And I'm suggesting that you need a no-tam when it comes to your children. When it comes to leading your home. You'd say, what's a no-tam? A no-tam is a notice to airmen. In other words, it's a flight plan. And you have to file it with the FAA. And essentially said for us, it said we were going to launch this weather balloon on this day from this location, like precisely. Uh, At this this time, and we expected to get from the ground to 60,000 feet by such and such a time. And then we expected to get from 60,000 feet to 100,000 feet at such a time. And then we we're going to come back from 100,000 feet to 60,000 feet at such a time. And then we, we expected to, our target landing to be here based on the prevailing winds, based on what was going on. So in essence, we had to tell them where we're launching from, how long it's going to take to get there, and where we're going to land. It was our flight plan. It was our, our notan. And this is what Joshua did. Joshua had a flight plan when the children of Israel were all kind of doing their own thing, and he was trying to get their hearts back back to God. This is what he said in Joshua 24, 15. He said, but as for me and my house, here's our plan. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You can do what you want to do, but it's for me and my house, you can follow other gods, you can chase other things, you can chase other dreams, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen to me, you need to make those words your own. At some point in your, in your family, in your, your leadership of your family, you need to make these words your, your own. Here's ours, here's how we say it. As for me and my house, we will live by faith and serve God on our way to heaven. Because again, the target is seeking first his kingdom. And everything else will be added to that. So let me just tell you, parents, you need to have a NOTAM. You need to have a flight plan. That way, when your pushy outlaws try to tell you how to raise your kids, how to parent your little ones, how to spend your money, you can say, that's great for you. But as for me and my house, this is how we roll. You can tell your your neighbors that want to tell you, well, a good dad, a good mom, this is what you should do for your kids. You should be like, that's fine for you, but as for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. You can call us strange, you can call us weird, you can call us aliens. In fact, we are aliens and strangers in this land. That's what God tells us, that our citizenship is somewhere else. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve God and walk by faith on our way to heaven. Now, here's the reality. Every single one of you in this room, you have that. You have an as-for-me-in-my-house. Now, whether some of you would articulate it so honestly or not is is an entirely different question. But your life reflects what your as-for-me-in-my-house is. And for some, hey, I'm probably not gonna make a lot of friends tonight but as for some you're as for me and my houses we will serve the soccer we're gonna serve the soccer no matter what at all costs no matter where it leads us no matter what we go where we go we are gonna pull our kids out of church as for me and my house we will serve the soccer as for me and my house we will play the baseball that's right We're gonna do whatever it takes, take our kids out of church, we're gonna focus on that, that that is the main thing, we will play the baseball. Can I ask you something, how pathetic does that sound? Like on your deathbed, as you're you're dying and you look back over the time that you had to shape your little ones, to pour into them, to teach them what the target was, you're really gonna look and say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the GPA. It's all about the GPA. You will get a 4.0. School, 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 education, education, education. As for me in my house, you know, you will play college ball because that's what dad did. As for me in my house, you will take over the family business. No matter what God has called you to do, no matter what he's birthed inside of your heart, what you feel like he's equipped you to do, how to make an impact, it doesn't matter. Because as for me and my house, this is what you will do. We all have one. What's your as for me and my house? Can you answer that, that honestly? As for me and my house. And I don't want you to hear me saying that any of that stuff is bad. It's not. My kids play baseball all the time. I love baseball. I think there are two nights in May that we don't have baseball during the week. Baseball's not bad. Soccer is not not bad. You know, getting a 4.0 is not not bad. Studying hard is not not bad. Pursuing the violin, pursuing other instruments, none of that is, is bad. But when it takes you, this little thing takes you off the main thing, that's a problem. And as for me and my house. We will seek first the kingdom of God, then all this other stuff will be added. You seek God first. You orbit your life around that. Then let all the other little stuff fall into place. But if it ever takes you off of course of this right here, then we failed. We failed. As for me and my house, man, don't let that stuff pull you off of your primary target. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. C.S. Lewis says this. If you aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. You aim at earth, you get neither. I love that quote. You aim at heaven and all that other stuff. We'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will get added. He'll take care of you. But you aim at earth and you get nothing. Nothing. And the last point, last point of tonight, in fact, we'll just we'll we'll have the band come back out as we get ready to wrap up, is this. I love this. Arrows are a weapon, and this is war. Arrows are a weapon, and this is war. Solomon used the illustration of arrows for a reason, right? Because arrows are, they're not a defensive weapon. He he, he didn't say, you know, children are like shields. He didn't say they're like, you know, armor. He said they're like arrows. Why? Because arrows are offensive. Arrows will go further than you can go. Arrows will extend your reach. Arrows will be able to go behind enemy lines. And here's why I tell you that. Because we have this this idea today in the world where people will always say, why would you bring children into this world? It's terrible. It's messed up. It's jacked up. Things are are awful. So we say, I would never bring children into this. But I'm challenging you to flip that around and say, because it's messed up and jacked up, I am going to bring some world changers onto this this earth in Jesus' name and see them make the biggest impact they can make. You need to flip that script. Besides the fact that that God never said that we should just kind of run and hide, and that's certainly not what Solomon told us to do in Psalm 127. But I think, what if Moses' parents had said, this world is too jacked up? And when they were alive, it really was. In fact, the Pharaoh was trying to kill all the, the Israelite newborns because they had decided, hey, these guys are becoming too many of them. If they get this idea you know, that they can overrun us, well, they certainly will. So they went throughout. Uh, the Israelites and killed all the, the boys, baby boys that were born? Killing them. Throwing them into the river, letting the crocodiles eat them. Just killing them. What if Jochebed and Amram, Moses's parents, had said, there's no way we're bringing a kid into this world? But they didn't say that. By faith they set out. They, they became pregnant. They conceived, and they, they launched their little arrow. They launched Moses out, sailing into the atmosphere towards his target by faith. And we all know the story, what happened then. Moses led his people out of Egypt. Moses sat with God. Moses was an incredible leader. Moses did exceedingly and abundantly more than anyone could ever think or imagine. I'm challenge you parents to do the same. See your children as a, as a blessing, not as a burden. See them as a, a weapon that are going to extend your reach. The Bible, um, actually it's been said that God, when he sees something on earth that that's a wrong that needs writing, or when he sees a truth that needs preaching, or when he sees like a benefit to something that needs inventing, he sends a baby into the world and he did that 2,000 years ago when he saw that this earth is falling apart, that that we were far from God, that sin had just overrun everything and you and I know that because we're born with the sin nature, we we get that, so God said in order to reconcile them back to me, I'm going to send a baby and not just any baby. He said, I'm going to send my one and only son. I'm going to shoot my arrow. And so Jesus came into this world, and his target, his mission was to die on a cross, to give his life for us, for our sin, to get buried, to conquer death, and to be raised back to life three days later. There was a wrong that needed to be made right And God sent a baby. And I'm just challenging you parents, man, just to see your children through the eyes of faith, through the lens of faith to what they could be, that what feels like maybe difficulties now and troubles now, this will pass. It will will pass. And you're gonna wish you had those days back to shape them, to pour into them, to tell them about the kingdom, to tell them who Jesus was. Because it's the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters, everything else should revolve around that first. So let's do this tonight. Would you stand to your feet? Just as a sign of commitment. Come on, parents. Let's stand to our feet. And I have two invitations for you tonight. In fact, everyone bow your head. Close your eyes. The first is this for the parents in this room. That you would commit to saying, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going to lead my family this way. I'm going to take on the role of an archer. I'm going to take on the role of a warrior. In my little arrows, I am going to point to purpose. I'm going to point to the target. I'm going to point to their potential. I'm going to call out their uniqueness and their differences, but ultimately, I am going to direct them. I'm going to aim them to the only thing that matters. Come on, parents, this church has an opportunity to rise up and change a, a generation, to change a city through our little ones. This is not about us. This is about those coming after us, extending our reach, making Erie a community that's that's following after, that's sold out, that's hungry for the things of God. And I believe it happens through our, our little ones. I believe can change the spiritual climate through our little ones if we do this. Now, if you commit to doing that, to say, I'm gonna parent that way, would you just hold your hand up high? Just hold it up high. Say, that I'm gonna be that kind of parent by faith. My children are going to move mountains in Jesus' name by faith. Praise God for you. Praise God for this church. People say, I'm gonna rise up. I'm gonna lead my family that way. Me too, I'm in with you. All right, you can put your hands down. Those of you today too. Maybe you're far from God and you understand for the first time that he launched an arrow, his son Jesus, to this earth and he paid for your sin through dying on the cross. And you can receive that payment as you repent of your own sin and as you believe that Jesus was your savior. And maybe you've never done that before, maybe you've never made that commitment, but tonight is your night. Tonight you're gonna get started You're going to get aimed at the target of seeking first the kingdom of God. And the way we do that is through prayer. So let me lead you in that prayer if that's you tonight. Just pray this with me. Jesus, tonight I surrender it all to you. I believe that you came to this earth for my sin. Just own that. Just say for my sin. Thank you, God. And tonight I repent. And I choose to turn from my sin and turn to you. I put my trust in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross because once he conquered it, he conquered the sin in my life too. And so I say yes to following him. In Jesus' name, from this moment, I have faith that will move mountains. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, celebrate with those tonight that made a decision. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.